folks. This is Always Be Watching. It's our weekly discussion about the TV shows that we've been watching. My name, Dan Barrett, joined by... Chris Yates. Now, the thing we do on this podcast is we try to talk about the shows we've been watching, but we try to capture it in the same spirit that you do when you're hanging out with a maze and you just want to share what you've been doing. So, for example, when you're hanging out at a local milk bar, you know, you're looking at your mate who's there with a... Uh, you know, some sort of chocolate thick shake. Mm. You're there with a coffee, black, no milk. That's <laughs> pee. And the two of you are just like, hey, dude, what have you been watching? Where's my sandwich? Where's me sanger? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, it's true. And you and I have a long history of doing this um, without recording the conversations. But one day we realized how much of this amazing stuff was just getting lost to the ether. This exactly. It belongs in a museum. It belongs in a museum. And the, be- and the best we can do that is our museum of the internet. So this week we are doing something slightly different. We're going to talk about a couple of shows we've been watching recently. Yep. But then we're going to transition sexually, spiritually. <laughs> it's all happening. No, we are going to transition to a conversation about the up-and-coming streaming services. We've got Apple Plus and Disney Plus in the very not-too-distant future. It's just mere weeks from now, Chris. Weeks. Weeks. It is very are you soon. sure? Is it that time of the year already? I thought oh. it wasn't happening until the second half of this year. Chris, do you know where we are? No. We were in the second half of this oh, year. Man, I got a lot to do. Chris, look at the date. We're in the third quarter of the year, going into the fourth quarter oh very God. shortly. Terrifying. Terrifying. In fact, stuff. I think we're in the fourth quarter now. No, we're still we're still a few days away. A few days away, but we're pretty much on the we're on the <laughs> precipice. We're on the cusp. Oh, Dan, I just haven't done all the things I wanted to get done this year. I haven't watched. There's so many things I wanted to see. So many things I wanted to talk to you about, having seen. And look, you're just wasting your time in this here podcast. Oh my god. Okay, so Chris, I'm going to kick off this week. Great. And I'm going to talk about a show I've been streaming on Amazon Prime Video called Undone. <laughs> hey, what are you doing? I'm in your butt. Oh. How long are you going to do that? It annoys you. <laughs> I want the mouth. Can you promise me that we're not going to be like one of those boring couples who like gets married and settles down and has babies and is like all happy? Yeah, gross. Never. Yeah. But it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. <laughs> No. That's it. No, no. That's the wrong answer. <laughs> You're helping me again. <laughs> You're so crazy. No, I'm not. Chris Yates, are you across this program? Only in so much as you sending me the thing and going, watch this trailer. Oh, my God. And did you watch the trailer? I did watch the trailer. Now, what were your thoughts? Because that's actually what I wanted to know. My main thoughts were, oh, my God, this looks amazing. So you thought it looked good? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is a show from uh, Bob Raphael Waxberg. Good old Bob. Do you know who Bob is? Nope. He is the gentleman who's the creator of a show called Bojack Horseman. Ah, okay. I love Bojack. He has teamed up with, I think she's a writer on Bojack called Kate Purdy. And the two of them have created the show called Undone. Now, I've got a problem with Bojack Horseman where I really find it interesting watching the storylines about the characters going through their emotional, psychological torment and how Mm -hmm. it's impacted them as the people they are today. Or, you know, horses and you know, cats and whatnot. <laughs> yes. the, the spiritual beings that they are today. Yes. But I don't really find the humor of Bojack particularly that funny most of the time. Occasionally a joke will land and it's like, that is brilliant. But a lot of the time it just kind of feels a bit obnoxious and therefore the sake that they think it's a cartoon, so therefore it needs to be overly funny where the stuff that resonates with that show isn't the humor, I don't feel. Are you a Will Arnett fan generally? 
I uh, depends on the Will or Not project. Because I feel like it's pretty. I don't know. I feel like he's got a bit of a style that you either love or hate. Yeah. And um, generally, I think I'm fine with Arnett. Did you like Batman Lego movie? I did not. There you go. See, I think that's p- the purest form of, of Will Arnett that there maybe is. And I know what you're saying, but I, I, I will agree that I find that it's definitely... N- I'll agree that it's not the most compelling part of the show is the humour, but I also spend a good episode of the episodes laughing my ass off, so I won't yeah. agree too hard. Like, it is funny, but I just don't think it's the... You know, it's, it's not the draw card. No. So, the show Undone, it's very much, what if Bojack Horseman... But without the laughs. Hmm. Actually, that's not really fair because it is actually genuinely kind of funny as well. (laughs) This is a show about a woman who's got a bit of a crisis of self at the moment. She's thinking about her life. She wakes up and does the same thing. She goes and sees the same people. She does the same thing day in, day out. We've all been there. Sounds familiar. It is a state of ennui that I think we've all lived and are currently living. Good to see you again, Dan. Yeah, likewise. (laughs) Every Tuesday. Sorry. So she's going through this yeah. and her sister's announced that she's getting married. So her sister is very excited and about to go through like a stage of her life where, you know, things are changing and nice. she feels that she's evolving and moving on. Whereas her sister, the main character of the show, she's looking around, she's like, I don't really want to get married. I don't really want to live a typical life. I want to be able to be free and just experience life as it changes and, you know, all the opportunities that life can offer mm. as opposed to the way that most of us embrace life, which is that, you know, we just take the stuff that's expected of us just and then trying, we don't do it. You're just trying to get through. Just trying, just trying to, to do all that stuff. Tick those boxes. Exactly. So she's got like this sort of state of um, ennui that she's going through, gets involved in a car accident mm. and then suddenly starts seeing the spirit of her dead father mm. of whom is explaining to her that, look, I can time travel. You can time travel as well. You have to solve the mystery of my death. So she is dealing with her father visiting her. She knows that her grandmother had some severe schizophrenia issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, The doctors are saying stuff about her. She's supposed to be starting taking some pills Mm -hmm. and she's not taking the pills. Might be all those seeing time-traveling dead people. Well, this might be the thing. So the big conceit on her is are the things that we're seeing in her the you know effects of, of schizophrenia or is it that you know she's legitimately seeing her father We're on a going fantastic through this. Ride here yeah so when you reach the end of the eight episode series it's left a little ambiguous to exactly what you've experienced but i think there's enough clues in there for you to be able to say definitively one way or another okay okay there's always a way to talk around that but i think by and large you can lock into it if you've been paying enough attention i'm not the kind of person that cares also, some people are, I know. Some people are really... You don't have to care yeah, either. Some people are really like, did Tony Soprano die? Yeah. I was like, eh, It I, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, he did. Yeah, but, but he, it doesn't matter. But it doesn't matter. No. no. But yeah, and you don't really need to like get invested in the mystery of it all. Because sure. so much about this is really just about the exploration is what life can offer a person. And because it's animated and not a live action filmed program, we'll talk about the style in just a moment. Mm-hmm. Because it's animated, it means they can do some really cool things. So in, like, it just sort of transitions between memory to time travel to what's happening in the real world. And you get these scenes that are taking place, both her physically moving through these various spaces, both real and um, extra dimensional. Mm -hmm. But also just, like, mindsets as to what she's thinking about and how she feels about something, all expressed through animation. There is nothing in this that couldn't be achieved through live action. But at the same time, it wouldn't be as emotionally resonant because you really feel like the transition going through. I don't like movies and TV shows with dreams. I think that... (laughs) Well, like, it never really captures what a dream feels like. And there's that great episode of The Sopranos 
whereas Tony's sort of bouncing around from thought to thought and it's like an hour-long dream that you're going through with Tony. Yeah. And that kind of felt about right. And there's an episode of Buffy as well, which I th- kind of think locked into the just, idea just of being the in a real, dream. Just the classics Buffy and The Sopranos did Pretty it right. Much. But I can't think of any other shows which kind of feel sort of dreamlike in a way that actually sort of presents it. This did. Like, it legitimately feels like what mindsets and shifting mindsets is about while you're going through both, mm. um, you know, the real world as well as, you know, the imagined I got a friend called Brad, and he yeah. never, he doesn't read italics in books. He's a big reader, <laughs> but as soon as it gets to a bit in italics where it's either a dream sequence or a quote or something, he's just like not reading it. Do not care for slanty writing. <laughs> he, re- he read that book, The Island, in like two days. <laughs> anyway, continue. Sorry, madness. But it's a, I know what you're saying. It's a similar thing. So it's kind of like this. Uh, it's it's not always done in a way that is actually yeah, it's kind definitely of, quite no. feels engaging. It's, sure, it's just always flat on the screen. But this, it really just comes alive. So, the animation process they use here is this thing called rotoscoping, which if you've seen, there was the, the two Richard Linklater projects. Yes, there was, was Waking a Life. Waking Life, I Which remember. is very much about dreamscapes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That. But then also he did the a Scanner Darkly. Oh, yes, which is fantastic. Yeah, I which I've not seen, Oh, my God, it's so good. I definitely want to watch that but again. yeah, that animation technique Keanu. is what they're using here. And so, you've got actors including like Bob Odenkirk's in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an actress, and she's the lead actor in it. Uh, I want to say her name is Rosa Salazar. If I've got the name right, uh, she is the yeah Rosa Salazar. She's the actress from Battle Angel Alita, which oh, yes. you may have seen. And yes, uh, yep. So again, a very similar sort of animation technique where they took her real life self and animated it so she could do robotic stuff. Yeah, yeah. and they and they film them acting the scenes right, and exactly. Then, and then it's and yeah, it's not just like a motion capture thing. It's actually no. it's the the actual footage is incorporated so, into. And them. so it's the actual performance of these actors being yeah. captured through this animation process and being rendered. And I think it takes about two hours, uh, two days for them to actually animate the footage once they've got the live action captured. Yeah, sure. And so they just kind of process and turn it into animation. So the actual performances you're seeing are actually really sort of naturalistic, and mm. there's a lot of nuance captured in all of them. What's great is that you look at Rosa Salazar, who is a um, very attractive, fit, just like gorgeous lady, but through animation, she's like a little bit more sort of uh, dumpy and like, but very purposefully so. Like she's there looking not like Hollywood actress, but really she looks sure. like an everyday woman who's an attractive lady if you just saw her, but <laughs> she's just not who you usually see on screen. And she certainly wouldn't be that if it was the real Rosa Salazar, but you know, through this and it's just like this amazing charismatic performance being delivered by her but everyone in this is really good she's got this uh, boyfriend in it uh, the actor's name is Siddhant Dan- Danajay I'm terrible with Indian names <laughs> I just can never do it perfect I never had to know how to do the NH correctly anyway he's fantastic uh, he's very sort of and I don't know what he's like in real life because I've only seen him animated right yeah okay but like animated him is kind of like a bit of a and goes to the voice as well seems a bit Adam Scott like yeah, yeah, sure. Anyway, it's fantastic because I love Adam Scott. So if an Indian Adam Scott appears on screen, I'm there for that. It's the same, totally. Yeah. But anyway, just incredible. It's really just one of the most sort of moving, engaging shows I've seen in God knows how long. I would have already watched it had I had access to the um, Amazon screen- streaming service, but I definitely endeavor to do that in the near future. It yeah. sounds fantastic. Well worth your time. Excellent. Now, Chris, what have you been watching? Uh, I have been watching a show on the Netflix called... Hip hop evolution. It was sort of an offshoot of what was going on in Miami bass style. What was the flavor in Atlanta in the late 80s? Uh, there was a relationship between Atlanta and Miami at that time, what was translated as skating rink music. 
or as booty shake music, Miami bass. That's what the music was called in Atlanta. It was just called just straight bass. It had no identity. With Miami bass rattling woofers and skating rinks, Atlanta was still looking outwards for its hip hop. So it's no surprise that the city's first recognized MC wouldn't come from the ATL either. Instead, it would be an Adidas rocking b-boy from the South Bronx who would lay down the first seeds of hip-hop in the ATL. Okay, Chris, what's this about? It sounds like a documentary. Amazingly so. It's a documentary about hip-hop music. So, of course, in the last sort of 10 years or so, um, hip-hop music has probably become the dominant cultural force from America. Um, we all love the hippity-hop. Everyone loves the hippity-hop. I, I see you rocking your two-pack shirt right now, which is good. <laughs> can almost see it under all those chains. The, the history of hip-hop and how it um, developed in the United States of America is a well-worn kind of subject matter that people have been really investigating a lot. Um, we even had that uh, fictionalised series by um, the Australian director... Uh, what was that even called now? I can't even remember. The Get Up? Is that what it was called? Oh, the, yeah, yeah. Um, tracing around the uh, origins in uh, Brooklyn and the Bronx of um, hip-hop music, which was which I really enjoyed in some really twisted way. It was Baz Luhrmann as well. Baz Luhrmann, that's his name. Yeah. Um, I was just trying to... He gets enough. He doesn't need us to... He's doing fine. Um, it, got, it got weird. It got kind of like... It, it, it sort of petered out a bit I thought I only watched the pilot but it was great uh, but anyway so that was a fictionalised version we've had all these different versions of it we've had animated different versions of it we've had comics come out explaining the, the history and the evolution and um, this and it's interesting because it comes from dirt poor street people to effectively having levels of wealth and power it's which the cl- is it's the American story yes it's rags to riches it's the I mean, buildings yourself exactly out of nowhere absolutely yeah. entrepreneurism um, you know definitely the most marginalised people you know in America uh, being able to become the uh, not just the cultural leaders, but in many cases, um, you know, economic and big figures over yeah. there. But also because of the facade that's built up around the iconography of hip hop, there's a sense that you're not supposed to sort of shed like your past self as well as you move into like a new economic bracket. But really, you're supposed to be celebrating both being dirt poor as well as being crazy wealthy, excessive. Absolutely, yes. There's very much that um, started from the bottom. Now we're here. Um, you know, uh, ideology around it all, the whole thing. Um, so basically what we've got is a, a very uh, a detailed, uh, incredibly well-made documentary series um, with the Canadian rapper um, Shad, who's going through and um, interviewing all the key figures who are still alive um, from hip-hop throughout the years and tracing back its history, uh, which is, you know, elements of which are undisputed and other elements of which there's always been a bit of a grey area around and different factions um, fighting over who's responsible. So he really does a great job of getting into all of that stuff. So is his voice constantly present through or is it like a lot of modern documentaries where it's really just the voice of the people speaking? No, he's very much a part of it. He's he's like the narrator and he's also... It's kind of like it's presented as his journey to kind of discover it all and to learn as much as he can. Now, do you need to be invested in him to really be interested in not his at all. journey? No, not at all. Because I, th- I just think he does a very good... He's a bit of a blank canvas, so he does a very good job of just kind of chatting and talking. I mean, he's very friendly and very personable, but um, he does a very, you know, an excellent interview technique kind of style where he's able to, I think, um, you know, a lot of these people, he's interviewing a lot of massive rappers who don't do a lot of interviews anymore. Obviously, I guess once you get the ball rolling on that and you get a few big names in, everyone wants to be a part of it. 
he does a very good job of um, treating the side players who may not have the same level of respect or celebrity um, with the same reverence and the same importance as uh, some of the bigger names that he interviews. So it's just fantastic. The way it's been broken up into eras has been very interesting too. So we're up to season three now. And we're getting to we're getting beyond just the sort of um, the actual um, you know chronological order of which rapper came first and who was inspired by who. All of which is fascinating if you're into it. But um, we're really starting to develop in, d- delve more into like w- how we've gotten to where we are now and some of the bigger some of the bigger stories of the last you know the modern era, I guess. And of course, no bigger story than the. Um, um, deaths of Tupac and Biggie Smalls, which um, season three starts with a double episode uh, dedicated to that. So how many episodes per season are we talking here? I think there's six. Oh, there's either six or four. Or maybe it's four. Let me just double check that. Um, and like they're just done very well. You know, there's obviously a lot... There's a, there's a lot of music being made and a lot of things um, going over, but uh, it does an incredible job of sort of filling in a lot of those gaps. You know, like... You've always known me as a rap fan, Dan. I have indeed. <laughs> but there's heaps of, obviously, um, you know, heaps of stuff that I hadn't uh, been across and especially some of the stuff that wasn't as big out here. So maybe um, a lot of the Southern rap and the Atlanta kind of stuff, you know, I feel like we got little bits and tastes of all that, but it wasn't something that I delved too far into until your little likes of your outcasts and stuff came along. So to be able to kind of get a bit, bit of a better look into that uh, was fantastic. And just um, it's, it's definitely something... Uh, even if you're an expert, I think you will still find things to learn out of this. So there's uh, two seasons so far of four episodes each, and then the third series of four episodes has just come out. So and are these half hours, hours, hours? I reckon. Yeah. So it's it's quite in depth, and it's quite um, you know, it's it's an easy watch as well. There's great um, historical footage, great new interviews. The Talking Heads are done really well. Um, one of the treats for me is that. Um, the um, Hank Shockley from the uh, Digital Underground, who just always been a really interesting character. He's uh, features heavily um, talking about uh, not just himself, but he's obviously a, a lot more of a historian than I kind of realised. And he's a fantastic character in there to get um, to get a lot of him. I don't think I'd ever seen an interview with him, and then he's just um, he's fascinating in this stuff. But there's so many good ones to mention. But yeah, mostly it's a. Um, reminder to check it out and especially in a public service announcement that the third season has dropped if you've um, been watching it so far and if you haven't it's well worth it and how do people see this netflix netflix yep the almighty netflix i don't know how long it's going to keep going for but i really hope it comes right up to i just looked at the um, synopsis for season three and they kind of still kind of we're still getting around to the um end of the 90s there so i really hope we keep going and um uh, get a bit of a modern, you know. I hope we get up to the more modern rappers because that would be fascinating. And and I think even mm, despite it being more recent, you know, a lot of those stories aren't, haven't been told anywhere near as much. So that would be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's it. Cool. Uh, that's it. Excellent. Um, that's my assignment. Yeah, handing uh, it in. I've I've got one more show I need to talk about. I did it overnight. You can tell. <laughs> um, what is it, Dan? What have you been watching, Chris? I'd like to tell you a story. It's the story of a lovely lady. Uh, she was bringing out three very lovely girls. Oh, uh, yep. All of them, they had hair of gold, like their mother. The youngest one in curls. Oh, that's familiar. Now, it's also the story of a man named Brady. He was busy with three boys of his own. They were all four men living together, yet they were all alone. I think I've heard, is it Die Hard? Yeah, it's Die Hard. <laughs> 
And then one day when McLean met this fellow, <laughs> now when this lady, she met this fellow mm-hmm. and they knew it was much more than a bunch. Mm-hmm. No, it was more than a hunch <laughs> because they became a bunch. The Brady Bunch. You really did that well. Yeah. Um, so, Chris, mm-hmm. the Brady Bunch, iconic. I, well, absolutely, dude. Yeah. Now, tell me your Brady story. You've seen the Brady Bunch. Yep. Have you watched the animated Brady, uh, Brady Kids? No. Okay, I don't think I've seen that either, to be I've, honest. I've watched the Brady Bunch movies yeah. many times. Did you ever see the Brady Bunch Variety Hour? <laughs> no, but I'm aware of it, right? Because they did... Uh, I remember the ref- references of it in various um, shows like The Simpsons. And have, yeah. There's been many, many a parody, I think, over the years. So, the Brady Variety Hour was a bunch of sketches. Uh, Jan, she didn't come back for it. Eve Plum. That's right, yes. Yeah. There was a different person recast as Jan. I believe in The Simpsons they had a different <clears throat> Lisa. That's right, yeah, yeah. But it was the... Ro- it was the other... The sister from Roseanne, I think. <laughs> That's <laughs> Which, funny. The second Becky. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh, I can't think of her name now. Lisey Goronson's the original Becky. The one from Scrubs. Yeah. It couldn't matter less. <laughs> so, the variety hour, yes. there'd be sort of sketches. There would be uh, scenes where they kind of continue the story of the Bradys, but right. through like little vignettes. Right. There'd be like circus acts. Fantastic. <laughs> There's music clips. It's fantastic. Uh, they did the Brady's, which was a primetime soap set at nighttime. Where, wow. You know, you know, it was kind of like Dallas, but with the Brady ones. Wow. How, yeah. how much later was that? Uh, that was like the last incarnation. So that was in the early 90s. What? Uh, but there was also the Brady Brides, which was a half hour series. Now where, you're just making stuff up. No, that really happened. Wow. Yeah. And that followed into like another series. I can't remember. Anyway, there's a lot of Brady stuff. Jesus. But now there's a new one, Chris. Great. Okay. This, because it's 2019, there's no time for scripts and stuff. There's no variety. We don't do that anymore. No. But you know what we do do? Reality TV. We flip houses. <laughs> That's what we do. So, HGTV, which is a network from the US, which is designed around like 35 different variations of people flipping houses. Yep. They renovate houses. They flip them. I've then watched, they renovate them again. I've actually watched a lot of flipping. People have watched a lot of flipping. So, you'd be familiar with the two brothers, uh, Scott and other guy. Yes, I know those flippers. Uh, what's, what's the other guy's name? Drew. Yeah. Drew Scott. It's a surname. Drew and Jonathan Scott. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, they're real, like, <laughs> they're the face of HGTV. But anyway, HT, HGTV realized that there's a house on the market. It was originally filmed as the exterior for the Brady Bunch house. And they thought, well, how much could this cost? So they went in there, they upped the prices, like made sure that no other auctioneers could get their hands on it. They bought the Brady Bunch house. Now, the Brady Bunch house, when you look at it from the street, it's what we've seen as being the Brady Bunch. Of course. But they didn't shoot it inside the house. It was shot on sound stages. So they've decided to renovate the Brady Bunch house to look exactly like it did on a TV show. And that provides some architectural like structural issues because the Brady house (laughs) is not a two-story house, but on the show, two-story house. Right. And iconically so. So but the outside shots were one story. Yeah. <laughs> That's so dumb. <laughs> they never thought about that at the time. It doesn't matter, Chris. Okay, sure. It really of doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. Nobody ever questioned Magic of TV. Magic they never TV. had a toilet either, Chris. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, I know. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. <laughs> Just thinking of Alice on the can. Yeah. Didn't have any of that. So they have recreated the house to the best that they can because there's obviously it's it's impossible to make it look exactly like it would on the sure. show. Because And also pointless. Well it's not pointless, Chris. <laughs> this is an important endeavor. But you literally can't because structurally yes, it just doesn't work. And when they build all the sets for it and connected the doors and stuff in, they didn't really care about how it actually looked against the front facade. Like of course. It wasn't even consideration. No. 
So they've done their best. But in order to actually bring the magic of this to the television, they've had to do a couple of things. First of all, they brought in the finest HGTV hosts that there are. So they brought in, I think, about six regular HGTV people for this TV event. Mm. And the show is called A Very Brady Renovation. Of course it is. But you can't do it without bringing in some Bradys. Right. So... How many Bradys do you think they've got on board for this? Oh, at least seven. Like, like obviously, Greg Brady's going to be there. <laughs> okay, like, Barry, what's his name? How many of them are dead? Well, this is kind of thing. So, Barry Williams, he will always turn up for a Brady Bunch thing. Well, I'm going to have to look at the pictures of them while you say it. Okay. Maureen McCormack, she's going to turn up as well. Okay, that- so you got the two oldest Brady kids. Oh, yeah, okay. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. But they've also got Susan Orlean. She played Cindy. Oh, cute. They've got Christopher Knight. They've got Mike Lookenland. And, wait for it, they've got Eve Plum. <laughs> She's there. That is all six Brady kids, Chris. Oh, my God. All six Brady kids. Unfortunately, all the Brady adults are no longer with us. All of them? Oh, that's yeah. very sad. Mm. They should have got Shelley Long. They really should have. <laughs> and look, she may turn up in later episodes of this. So, anyway, I was fascinated to see this because this legitimately is one of the things I'm really interested in as a TV fan and someone who's interested in the structure and shape and form of TV, how we relate to it and how we engage with TV. Yeah. So, the idea of taking a fictional TV house and actually turning it into a real-life iconic like museum <laughs> that never existed ever before and just creating it. It's amazing. <laughs> Chris, don't be like that. <laughs> This is genuinely I, look, Dan. I can see how, ex- how I can see and understand how excited you are about it. It's an interesting it. project. It's an iconic project as well, mm. and one that has huge merit. So <laughs> <laughs> now you, yeah, now you're not even buying your own shit. Okay, so look, here's the thing. I think it's a really interesting idea. I mm-hmm. think getting all the Bradys involved in it is actually a kind of fun thing to do. Sure. Okay. Bring in all the HGTV hosts. That's kind of fun as well. Who cares? And through this, well, because it's HGTV, so like it's their project. So, sure, sure. I'm you just know, bit- essentially they're taking the modern day TV format and sort of bringing this sort of iconic thing to meet like today's TV structure. Yes. The problem with it though is that for something which is such an interesting, unique project, why does it feel and look like every single generic HGTV <laughs> show where they haven't really taken the time and effort to think that, yes, we're doing something really structurally interesting with the thing that we're building. Why can't we do something structurally interesting with the shape and form of the show that we're creating? It is the most bare bones, <laughs> it's just basic like, TV show they could have come up oh, with. What a shame. And like, I don't know, those flipping shows, I've watched countless hours of them but they're, there's not a lot going on there no there's nothing going on but here you actually have some substance to what's they going on like it's a house that the audience is actually emotionally invested in already yes I guess it's not just some rich guy who's bought like a fix me up fix <laughs> no. me up like it's you know there's actually audience buy in already with this and it's just so generic like there's a sequence in the first five minutes of it where there's a guy getting on the phone to the mayor of Los Angeles to like bypass some of the like rules and regulations now that they have to go through. Son. And he just gets on the phone and is like, We want to do this. And the mayor's like, I love the Brady House. Go for it. Oh my God. But like, maybe there's actually stuff that you could be talking about there and say, like, actually talk about the journey of taking a house which looks nothing like as it should and show how that's achieved. Like, that's kind of interesting. I wonder what other shows we could... Um, what other shows would you like to see get renovated? Whatever, what other houses would you like to see get renovated? Look, there's obviously the challenge where you need to make sure that it's a house that people are familiar with from the outside and actually have like an emotional tie to. So there's actually very few that you can get away with. The Psycho House? Uh, I mean, maybe. But <laughs> does anyone really care like, about the Psycho? Like, do you feel emotionally connected to it? 
Or do you feel emotionally connected to the music there? Mm, yes, yeah. yes, true. Um, uh, I, I would say maybe like the friends' apartments. You could probably do something uh, like yeah. that. What about the house from? Um, <laughs> what about what about the house from? I can't remember the name of Hey Dad. No, no, we don't. Do you know where the house? We don't talk about. No, do you know where the house from Hey Dad is? No, doesn't exist. Never existed. It's what? a model. A model. Yeah, an architectural model. Architectural model. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think so that, embarrassed I think the that. same might be true with the Golden Girls house. Really? That's fascinating. Yeah, there's something about that house. And also, I mean, you never really saw what that house looked like. You just saw this giant, like... No, I can't really front. remember. Yeah, they didn't have a lot of the... It didn't have a lot of establishing shots, as many of those... Uh, they, they were establishing shots, but it was just never... They weren't, like, yeah. a big deal. Okay, Chris. Anyway, this so it's a very Brady re- uh, renovation. It's airing on HGTV in the US. Now, Chris... We're going to wind out the show by talking about two streaming services that are launching very soon. Excellent. I I think, yeah. So, I was going to say, because it's only really just a couple of weeks away, I thought it was probably the time to do it now, just so that people uh, know what's, you know. I think it's a good idea. We're going to hear a lot more about this stuff, obviously. There's going to be a lot more questions. There's going to be a lot of complaining. There's going to be a lot of unanswered uh, things. And maybe, I don't know how you feel about this, but um, me being the dullard idiot that I am, maybe I could ask you some questions and you could try to answer them for me. Absolutely. So, this is where we're at. So, yes. from the 1st of November, globally, yep. everyone will be able to log in and watch original TV programs on the Apple. How many are there so far? Have they bought any old catalogs or anything? No. Mm. So, this is what's a bit interesting about it. So, it is only going to be shows that are produced explicitly for this app. Oh, right. Yeah. So, essentially, if you go and buy yourself a new iPhone, because there's some new iPhones coming out over the next week or two, go and buy a new iPhone, you'll get a year subscription to their service. Yep. Okay, and that's the only way they've talked about getting a free subscription. But I reckon it's probably going to be like social, uh, like yeah, Apple sure. Music where you sign up as like your telco and you get like six months free yeah. and that sort of thing. There'll be free vouchers and stuff. Yep. So if you buy any new hardware, including a new Apple TV but hardware, you'll get a free year subscription. Okay, if you don't want to buy the new hardware, they're going to charge you in, a, well, in the US $4.99, in Australia $7.99. So, so $7.99 a month is quite a fair bit for what's going to be four original scripted shows at launch. And a couple of documentary type shows. So that's a fair bit. But I also think... Four, did you say? Four. Mm. That's on like day one. But then in a few months time, they'll have a few new shows. And, you know, the library's going to build from here. Interesting. And I thought four's a fair bit. But then I also thought, well, Netflix, I really only watch the original shows through that anyway. At the moment. Yeah, yeah, same. And I probably just watch like maybe about four originals a month. But at least you got a lot to pick that. from. What are the four going to be on Apple? Well, I mean, this is kind of it. Like, this is kind of the origins of it. So... I'm thinking, because I looked at... My, my initial thought was, I'm not going to be interested in enough things to find four things to make it worth watching. Yeah. Worth subscribing to. I mean, I'm going to subscribe to it because I'm me and... Of course, know, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. Okay, so But at if launch, you were a normal human... If I was a normal human, I would be making the choice out of this. So, their big budget TV show is this thing called C. So, it's Jason Momoa. People that know him from the Game of Thrones and Aquaman. Oh, yeah. You know, pretty big deal as far as it, yeah. you know, TV stuff goes. It's a far-off future like fantasy world thing where everybody no longer has the ability of sight. Okay, mm. But what happens when babies start being born with the ability to be able to see again? Mm. And I'm sure there's probably people who are after the babies and stuff. Mm. You know, I'm sure there's stuff. I think the premise of this sounds incredibly ridiculous. Mm. But visually, I think it's a really cool-looking show. Right. So, so gonna- it's made for people who can see. It's made for people who can see. It's Excellent. not made for the blind. Excellent. It's not made for the vision impaired. Excellent. And the thing with the show is because it looks gorgeous. They're going to put it in like, if you go into an Apple shop, you're just going to start seeing yeah, screens yeah, sure. for it everywhere. And it's going to look amazing. And um, you're probably going to subscribe just going, oh my God, that show looks incredible. Just to make this a bit more fun for me, can I rate the, my interest level out of 10 for Absolutely. each show? Absolutely. Two. 
Yeah. But if you saw the visuals, this is kind of the thing. All right. Yeah. Um, I'd play you the trailer, but that makes for a really boring podcast. No, no, I think it's better if I don't see the visuals. Two. Okay, number two. And this is the thing that will be... This is the show that my mum will know exists. Yep. Okay, it's a show called The Morning Show. But in Australia, it's going to be called Morning Wars. Mm. Because the show is about a... uh, Like the Today Show or Sunrise or one of those sort of breakfast TV programs. Okay, and it's about... It's kind of similar to with um, CBS This Morning. How uh, there was the well, actually that happened on the Today Show as well with Matt Lauer. Yeah, uh, we've got the male host who's taken out in a Me Too moment. Yeah, and then it's about the rest of the show sort of rallying around it, and it's the drama and you know behind the scenes antics as to what takes place. Right, it's a big sort of event like that that happens. Two, two, two out of ten. Out of ten. <laughs> uh, what if I let you know that Steve Carell is in it? Oh, all right. As the ousted male host. Four. Uh, Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. Four. I thought it was going back down to two. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they're fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, I'm like, I love media type things. Of so course. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. pretty well sold on this. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be amazing TV, but like, it's something that I'd watch every week. I even watched that. I love Steve Carell. I even watched that movie where he was like Noah and he had to make the boat and save all the that animals. Was Evan Almighty. <laughs> yeah. That like one. two, whatever the sequel <laughs> yeah, was. Whatever. Was it Evan? That was okay. It's one of the Almighty's. Even though it was totally paid for by a church, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, that was fine. Anyway, yes, you should have led Sorry. with Steve Carell. I could have come in at five. What church is involved in Noah? <laughs> One of them. Uh, there's a show called For All Mankind, mm. which is Ronald D. Moore. He's the dude that was a producer on like yeah, Star Trek's back in the 90s, oh, yeah, yeah. but also was the mind behind Battlestar Galactica when they revamped that. Radio. Yep. Uh, as far as sci-fi stuff goes, you know, pretty big deal. Yep. Uh, he's got this sort of alternate reality show, which imagines what would have happened if the global space race never came to an end. And America still saw the space race as part of the centerpiece of its hopes and dreams. That's pretty good. Seven. Yeah. I think it's a cool idea. The trailer for it's like not all that exciting, but Uh I I think it's one of these things where maybe they hadn't actually filmed everything before. Yeah, sure. No, that sounds good. I like the sound of that. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, That Battlestar Galactica is very well regarded. I've never seen it. You should. I will. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I meant to. It's worth it. I've <laughs> been just putting it off for the last 10 years. Uh, it starts with a miniseries that I don't think is particularly great, but when the show starts really getting into can I just groove, Can I skip the miniseries? I mean, you probably could. Yeah. Maybe I'll give that a I go. Think. But I don't know. You'd probably miss out on a bit as well. It's, no, right, there's right. a lot of narrative stuff that happens in that miniseries. Maybe I'll watch it in a flashback style like um, JJ. Yeah. We'll just pick up a book and just look at the screen every so often. Okay, cool. Uh, and the other fourth show is this thing called Dickinson, which is more like a teen drama series. And it's a dark comic, uh, darkly comedic coming-of-age story explaining the constraints of society, gender, and family through the lens of the rebellious young poet Emily Dickinson. <laughs> but again, this is something where when you watch the trail of it, it actually kind of looks kind of fun. Okay, cool. I'll yeah. give it a two. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, okay, so this is a... It's an interesting okay. way to do it. Also on day one, because mm-hmm. there's a bunch of kids' shows as well, uh, there's a thing from the makers of Sesame Street, which I guess is um, Sesame Street Workshop. Yep. Uh, it's a show called Helpsters, where there's a team of vibrant monsters who love to solve problems. That sounds pretty good. That's like a 10 for you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's up there in the, in the sevens. Uh, there's an original series called Snoopy in Space. Oh, God. That's... Which is about Snoopy following his dreams to become an astronaut. Nine. Uh, so, together, Snoopy, Charlie Brown, and the Peanuts crew take command of the International Space Station and explore the moon and beyond. That sounds amazing. I'm definitely going to watch that. Uh, there's a remake of the TV series, which I always thought was Canadian, but I don't know if that's true. Uh, Ghost Rider? No, Not Ghost Rider, but Writer, Rider, like with a yeah, you know, keyboard. Uh, there's a documentary called The Elephant Queen, which I guess is about elephants and stuff. Sounds good. Uh, and Oprah Winfrey is bringing her book club to... 
Apple TV, and she's going to talk to the world's most compelling authors in conversation while she builds a vibrant global book club. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have to be a certain kind of person to care about that. I think a fan of Oprah would probably be the yeah. person you're looking for there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's what's coming on day one. All of right. Service. Okay. So that's okay. Yeah. Sounds, sounds fine. So the question we need to get back to is two things in terms of how you watch it. So yeah. one, if you're an Apple person, you will already find on like your various devices an app called TV and the shows will just start appearing there. Right. Okay. So like that's how you watch it if you're an Apple person. If you're not an Apple person, okay, you may find that things are a bit harder to be able to access it. So Apple are actually going out of their way to make sure that there are apps available on other platforms. So depending on what your smart TV is, you might just start right. seeing a TV app start appearing there. Now, the final question is... I'm not going to be able to watch it on my Android. Uh, depends on what your Android is. Hmm. Yeah, so they are making efforts and you'll start seeing over the next, like, we'll say year, you're going to start seeing the app crop up more and more around okay. the place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I also recommend if you're, if you're passionate about your TV, an Apple TV is actually a pretty good purchase. Cool. Are they going to, they're not going to, they're obviously not going to license these shows out to other places to watch no, them. No, this is the idea of they want you loading up that TV app yep. in order to do it. Now, the other thing is that Apple is spending hundreds of millions of dollars on their TV coming up. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of projects in the works that all sound kind of interesting. Like, there's an Amazing Stories, Revival Series, and a whole bunch of other things. They're not only doing it... They're not doing it just so that they'll get people to rent more movies and TV shows through their store. What they're really after, and this isn't such a thing in Australia, but it's definitely a thing overseas and will start to become a thing here, is that... And let's just take a step a bit further back. So Amazon have this thing called Amazon Channels. Yeah. Where you can subscribe to like HBO and all the many streaming services through there. So like HBO or Stars or Showtime or, you know, all these services through your Amazon box, Mm -hmm. through this thing called Channels. Amazon take a cut off all those subscriptions that comes through. Mm Mm-hmm. Apple are launching Apple Channels, which is going to work in a very similar way. So all the other streaming services you'll be able to subscribe through your Apple box with. Okay. And so you'll be able to do that through the TV app. So more and more, they want people using that TV app to go into to watch all of their stuff. Right. And the more you go into that app, the more likely you are to handle all of your subscriptions coming through that app as well. Yep. So it's part of a play to control all of your TV viewing effects effectively. Yeah. Somebody's, yeah. they're all trying to do that, I guess. Like, yeah. Well, not all, but those two, I guess, <laughs> are trying to do that. <laughs> but like these are the people making the big play at the moment. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, I understand why they're doing it, but I think it's kind of cool. And price wise, it's not too bad either. Why so, does, why does Netflix let Apple channels have Netflix? They don't. Right. So Netflix uh, hold out on a lot of this. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But other services. So traditional cable channels in the US have like, yeah. allowed like Apple to resell. And I would imagine all our like, catch-up services and all that you, kind of stuff. I mean, already you already find a lot of like, catch-up free-to-airs will be on there. Yeah. Uh, and it's probably only a matter of time so you can subscribe to Stan through Apple. Yeah, right. I think you can probably already do that through Apple. I don't know what the billing is, but yeah. There's ways. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, that's Apple TV Plus coming in November. Okay, so for me, that's probably not a. I'm good. I'm not probably not going to run it out and get that. Um, I'm probably not going to rush out and get the Apple Apple TV. Yeah. Well, I'll there's a big barrier to entry for you as well, where you don't really have Apple stuff. Yeah, like a, yeah, no, that's right. I have a I have a laptop and stuff, but I don't really. Uh, yes, I'm not living the Apple life. Yeah, but I reckon probably the launch weekend of it, I'll be like Chris, you know, come down the street. <laughs> I'll come. I'll come around and watch. Um, I can't even remember what... Snoopy in Space. (laughs) Snoopy in Space, that's the one. (laughs) That's the one that sounds good. Um, All right, but I'm more interested in Disney. Okay, now why are you interested in Disney? Um, Star Wars. Okay, so when Disney launches, which in Australia will be on the 14th of November... I think I've got my date right It's not just Star Wars. I'm interested because there's obviously a lot of content there. 
that, yeah. I'm, in, that I'm interested in watching. Okay, so it launched in Australia on the 19th of November. Okay. Okay, so this is going to be two and a bit weeks after Apple TV have launched. So yep. once you've gotten across a couple of shows there, you'll be going, oh, I kind of want something new. What's this Netflix I keep hearing about? What about Disney Plus instead? Yes. Yeah. So in Australia, we'll get it on the 19th, which is a week after the US. Uh, it'll cost uh, $8.99 Australian per month. Cheap. Okay. $9.99 New Zealand. You can get a year subscription as well, which works out slightly cheaper. So I think you get like two months free if you go for the year paying in advance. So it'd be like 90 bucks a year Australian. Um, and yeah, as you said, it's launching with Star Wars. So The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian's the, very exciting. I've seen the previews, seen the Tra- trailers. Look trailer amazing. looks incredible. Yeah, it looks incredible. Yeah, if you're a Star Wars fan, I don't think you can really avoid not watching this. I'm much more excited about that than I am the conclusion of the third trilogy, which is interesting. Because I was very excited. I'm, I'm not a trilogy hater. I'm not a new... I'm not a new Star Wars hater. You know what I think the problem is with that final trilogy film? Like, where's the trailer for it? Yeah, we still haven't seen a trailer, have we? We haven't seen anything from it. No, it's very strange. And here's the other question I have. So, The Mandalorian, there's still no actual word yet as to exactly what their release structure is. So, they've talked about it being weekly. But here's the problem with the weekly, because if The Mandalorian is starting out in, like, Mm mid-November, okay, and it's going out weekly, and it's going to be, I think, eight episodes... Mm That's going to be going while Star Wars is hitting cinema screens. Yeah, that's odd. That seems strange to me. So I reckon it's maybe going to be like three episodes on like day one. Yeah, right. And then you'll find it all. Try, so that'll, that that should bring it like about a week before the new film comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like I'm going to be like, oh, I'm so excited about this TV show. I'm not going to watch the film. Like, no, I still, exactly. I still am, obviously, and lots of people are. But it's just yeah. kind of, it's interesting that it's, you know, the, the stuff we've seen from that so far is so good that it's kind of, taken away some of that anticipation yeah but again we haven't seen an actual trailer for the new one no true weird mm. we've seen clips but nothing another, another thing too sorry another thing too I think is that you know we kind of I mean we kind of know where it's going right there's not going to be a lot of there's not going to be any yeah. massive surprises I don't think so this is it so anyway Mandalorian is coming uh, they announced a whole bunch of shows that are launching for it but here's the thing so we were talking about on day one of Apple TV Plus that there's only really four scripts of shows and then like five you know, yep. um, other like you know Documentary-style things. Yeah. And kids' shows. Yeah. There's not actually that many new TV shows launching on Disney+. Plus, Right. Okay? Like, they talked about all these great shows that are coming. But when you actually look at the release system, like schedule for it, most of the shows we're keen on aren't coming for, you know, a year and a half to two right. years from now. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, they're talking about these big Marvel shows that are launching and stuff. And it's like, that sounds awesome. And it's like, oh, that comes in 2021. Right. So, they're just like, kind of like... some con- time away. They're concepts at the moment. They're probably not even making them. Uh, yeah, so I mean, these shows, like, they're hiring showrunners and stuff for them at the moment and right, starting yeah, to yeah. stuff up on them. It's, yeah. After they've already announced them. It's interesting. This is exactly it. Um, so, day one, you'll get The Mandalorian. There's going to be a Lizzie McGuire TV show coming soon. Very excited about that. Haven't started filming it yet. So Really? Yeah. <laughs> this is the thing. So, is it going to be directed by Savage Steve Holland? Uh, <laughs> I hope so. I hope so, too. I don't think there's any word if Steve Holland's involved in it. Going to be lo- researching that. He's still doing stuff because he was doing a Netflix show. I should yeah, wonder. he did it, and yes, and he's done episodes of things too. Yeah, of um, regular TV things. Um, am I, is it time for me to ask you some questions? Uh, yeah, let's going? do that. Uh, am I going to get every Simpsons ever from that date in Australia? I mean, these are the questions. So. <laughs> The thing with Disney Plus is that it's not going to be like Apple where the same library is consistent across the entire world. Okay? No, it's going to no, be more like Netflix where, you know, various regions have different access to... Yeah, that's what I content. assumed. Eventually, it'll start to level out around the world, much and like Netflix will start to level out even more. As the 
other territories' contracts expire and exactly. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know where the Simpsons land in that. Oh so they talk about the Simpsons every episode ever, but that's in a US context. Yeah. And there hasn't really been that same claim made for Australia's market, I don't think. And as far as I know, there's already been, you've been able to watch every Simpsons ever for a while. Yeah, um, but you need to be a US subscriber to the USFX channel. Right. So yeah, but was, Simpsons World. Oh, so it was still a cable. Is, so you still needed a cable subscription. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, right. But now Disney own FX. So yes. they shut down Simpsons World, which was the website which you could access yes. if you're an FX subscriber. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's gone. That's gone. Yeah. And soon it's going to be Disney Plus is the thing you need for that. Yes. Yeah. But I don't know well, in Australia. We don't Australia. know what's going to happen out here yet. Now, I do know that ahead of the launch of Disney Plus... They actually launched Disney Plus in Scandinavia. Oh, no, it was the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay. And so that was a bit of a troll because I think they want to be able to see how audiences react to certain things, volume loads and that kind of thing. So sure. It's, you know, th- there's some tests going on with that. Yeah. But they're going to have different content again to what you get in the US. So they've already talked about discovering a whole bunch of like Marvel TV shows from the 70s and 80s. Oh, uh, yeah. On I saw your um, story about that in the newsletter. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, they'll always yeah. be watching newsletter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's all these, like, nostalgic sort of plays for people like myself. Of yes. Remember these things from being a kid and, uh, you know, for me, the 80s, but, you know, for other people, the 70s and 60s. and For sure. Yeah. Well, for folks like us, um, weirdos, some people might call us. Yeah, no, um, no said internet weirdos. <laughs> um, obviously, yes, I'm more excited about what what's going to be in the vault rather than, like, the new stuff necessarily. Yeah, I mean, same with me. So, I'm not... I'm not the Disney audience. No. Okay, I mean, there's the occasional Disney thing I might just watch and, you know, get a bit of a kick out of. But, like, I'm not there for the Disney content. <coughs> I'm not there for the Disney content in the same way that, you know, other people are. Yeah, sure. And, like, that's cool. Not everything has to be for me. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm drawn to it for the Marvel stuff, for the Star Wars stuff, and then, like, a few nostalgia plays to things when I was a kid. So, like, the original DuckTales show from the late 80s. <laughs> yes. Like, I'm very excited because that's going to be in there. Yeah. No word yet about the gummy bears, which no. I would love to see that in there, but I haven't seen that crop up anywhere yet. Uh, but in, you know, the Netherlands, they've reported seeing, like, a whole bunch of those yeah, shows well, cropping up. So, Did they have any local content uh, in the Netherlands? I don't think so. Because that wouldn't... Yeah, because they would have had to buy local libraries or something for that. Yeah, so they are it. talking about commissioning a few things here and there, but it's yep. a bit hard with the Disney brand because you subscribe to the Disney Plus product for Disney-branded stuff. Yeah. So, so they probably won't be that focused on they trying won't be to that create locally audience stuff like they do with Netflix. Yeah. Hmm, that's so anyway, interesting too. It, it's interesting. So the things to maybe keep in mind with it is that if you're really just interested in original stuff and it's like, what are the big shows that are going to be hitting sometime soon? Like Disney Plus, as exciting as it sounds right now, isn't necessarily going to be delivering yeah. to the volume that you want it to for another year or two. Yeah, And sure. it's the beginning of a service. Like it's... Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, this, this is early days. So, I mean, Apple's, like, minimal library to begin with is actually not that far off what Disney will be offering, really, in terms of stuff that you'll probably be interested in watching on a weekly basis. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. What's worth considering with both of these as well is that neither of them are Netflix killers in the way that you've seen some, like, yeah, online yeah, yeah. sites talking about. Because their agenda is not the same as Netflix's. So, Netflix is a company with a singular vision, which is where a TV network and we're going to be available in every country and trying to solve people's TV viewing needs. Yeah. Okay? That's not really what Disney and Apple are interested in. Okay? Both of them have different agendas and are priced accordingly. So Disney, which is, I think, maybe about like three bucks cheaper than Netflix is going to be. Um, three bucks, two bucks. It's yeah. cheaper, whatever. Uh, essentially, they don't need to create the volume of content that Netflix have because they're not interested in competing with Netflix and we must have people watching the service for every minute of the day. Rather, they just want people engaging with that Disney brand. Like... 
regularly enough. Yeah. Okay. So maybe like one or two shows a week. Yeah. Okay. With the idea that people are just constantly engaging with Disney. So when it comes to taking a holiday, they might take a Disney cruise. They might go to the one at Disney theme park. Sure. They'll buy the merchandise. They'll get the movie tickets. You know, there's lots of pockets by which people engage with the Disney dollar. Yeah. 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 Okay. Like if you want to like spend some Mickey dollars, you can do that really quite easily. Yes. That's right. They literally okay. have their own currency if you that's want to get it. involved. So, I mean, effectively they are replacing their TV brands like Disney Channel and that sort of thing. But Disney Channel exists to further that Disney brand. Like, that's yeah, yeah. what this has always been about. Yeah. Yeah. So, they can afford to be a little bit cheaper because, you know... That's right. It's not the end of their um, business. And also, like, their entire business doesn't hinge on the success of their streaming platform. No. I mean, it kind of does to a certain degree, but, like... Well, the, with the investments that they've made yeah. in buying out libraries and stuff, but, yeah. But if the show isn't, like, a, if the service isn't a massive success on day one, like, the company's not folding. No, no, that's right. Yeah. Like, they'll be okay. They'll just regroup and come up with a new strategy to yes. do stuff. Whereas Netflix, like, if people stop watching Netflix shows, they've got some problems because they don't actually have any other arms of the company. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Apple, you may have heard of them. Yes. Um, like, they don't really care about being the thing that you're watching, like, all day, every day. No. They've released a limited number of shows to keep you engaged with the TV app. Yeah. But beyond that, like, they don't actually really want to have you watching every minute because if you're engaging every minute with that one platform then you're not subscribing also to all the other cable channels they want you subscribing to totally. so they can pocket a little bit of money off the top of that you're not renting movies you're not renting tv shows you're not buying more buying stuff a through new the iphone every t- or yeah yeah buying a new yeah. iphone every two years yeah yeah they just want you to you yeah. know have a little bit of a value add yes and continue on with your life so it actually pays out well for them so if there's one or two shows you're watching every week that's a win for Apple. Yeah, yeah, Because totally. you're going to continue to subscribe to the service in one way or another, whether you're paying directly through or just getting free subscriptions through buying hardware. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they just want to push hardware. Mm. Essentially, it's a big marketing effort so that when you walk into an Apple store and see all the Apple TV Plus shows like on every device around the place, they're going to look gorgeous because there's a lot of money going to each of these shows. And visually, like they're incredible looking programs. Yes. Okay. And they're going to look very nice on those lovely screens. They'll look fantastic on the little screens around the place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. And also, if you're like on the fence going, do I necessarily want to buy a new phone this year? It's like, well, there's a free year of a TV subscription. Yeah. Yeah. So it just makes it a little bit easier to sell product around the place. Yeah, I get it. It's That's like one less barrier for them. Um, do you think that it's going to have a... Oh, just putting on your pundit hat. Yeah. Um, is Never it gonna, take it off. Is it going to have a? Um, is it going to have an immediate effect on Netflix? Look, here's the thing. I don't think... It's not going to have an immediate effect on Netflix, but all these services launching are just going to chip away at Netflix a little bit more. Yeah. So my thinking on it is that you've got a whole bunch of services around at the moment with a few more on the horizon. So as of like mid to late November, you're going to have your Apple TV Plus, your Disney Plus. You're going to have Amazon around the place as well. And keep in mind, Amazon's business model is different again. Where totally. They just want to sell you stuff. They want to sell you stuff. They want you to sign up to an Amazon Prime subscription where you get your free TV through it so they can ship your toilet paper. Yeah. Yeah. And the more people that are engaging with the Amazon brand like to get their TV stuff. If you want TV through Amazon, you're likely to upsell yourself to a Prime subscription. And then people with a Prime subscription... Prime subscription are known to spend more money at the Apple at the Amazon store. Yeah, yeah. So that's their motivation there. Yeah. Okay. Makes perfect sense. So if I'm getting, if I'm interested in like getting a whole bunch of things delivered by Amazon each month, okay, I've got myself my TV thing. So I'm probably watching a couple of shows through that a month. I've got my Disney because I love what Star Wars. So you know I've got that happening. Um, Apple, I've got bought myself a new iPhone, so I've already got the streaming service. 
so I see the morning show on there and I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. So already in just like November alone, I'm now watching the morning show. I might be watching C through Apple. Um, I'm watching the Star Wars program. I'm watching a couple of old DuckTales every couple of nights. Where, where, where do you find the time? Well, this is the thing. So as far as Netflix is concerned, they're concerned about that because that's a lot less minutes yeah, each week yeah. that I'm watching Netflix. And then, of course, think about like Amazon as well, where I watch a few things through that every week. So already this is a whole bunch of like things. And then add into the mix next year when HBO Max launches, uh, possibly globally. There's mm. talk at the moment about an Australian launch for it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you've got that. NBC are launching a streaming service as well. CBS are getting all their ducks in a row with their various streaming services with um, All Access, but particularly with Pluto TV, which is this um, streaming linear channel thing. Yeah. There's all these services that are going to take away like a fair bit of your time. And most of those services are being bundled away free to you through other things that you're doing. Yeah, yeah. So when you start looking at all this TV you've got coming, and you've got this one subscription left called Netflix, and you're like, well, I watch all this other TV and I watch a little bit of Netflix, and Netflix is the only one I'm paying for as a dedicated service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you have to think, like, after a while, like, people who get further into many ecosystems yeah. are going to see Netflix as a possible expense to get rid of. Yeah, it's In a way that's hard to think about right now because so much spends so many hours on Netflix each yeah. week. But very soon, it's going to dilute the system just that little bit where you start thinking about it. You would argue that hopefully uh, it, it, it continues to uh, give a reason for, you know, creating stuff people actually want to watch and well, high yeah. quality stuff, which Netflix have been pretty good at at this point. But part of the challenge as well is that all these other services are spending so much money on established IP. Yeah, like, yeah, Remember sure. when I was talking about the Apple stuff alone? I mentioned C and you're like, yeah, whatever. Or yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. morning show, whatever. Snoopy. And I know, like, bam, I'm there I was for in, it. exactly, yeah. Disney Plus, hey, look, there's a new Star Wars show. Yeah, yeah. Amazon, us, you know, a new Lord of the Rings program and, like, a bunch yeah, of yeah. other, like, books and stuff that they've adapted into shows. Like, it's established IP, and it's hard for Netflix to compete with that because they don't really do the established IP thing much. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's a challenge for them. Mm, interesting. But a bigger challenge is in places like Australia where you've got, like, smaller companies like Stan, of whom are streaming into the country as well. Yeah, yeah, Of whom yeah. are trying to, like, compete with Netflix, but very soon... They become an added expense. It's, yeah. You know. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to see a place for something like that as you move forward. That's it? it. And they may well find what their voice is. But, yeah. You know, at the moment, it's 2019. I scratch my head a little bit at that. Yeah, I mean, I already find it a bit like... I, I still do... I do still have Stan, but, you yeah. know, I don't really watch it. I haven't watched anything on it for a while. I mean, this is my challenge as well with it, where, like, I've been, like, re-watching Detroiters recently. Yeah, right. But is it necessarily <laughs> worth, like, having a subscription service for that one show I've seen a bunch yeah, of times yeah. before? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I think I'm just rewarding them for Twin Peaks still. <laughs> so it's just like, I feel like that was worth way more than whatever I paid for that at the time. I think that may have finished up a year ago, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I know, that's what I mean. It's just like, I still feel like, oh, well, they gave me that at least. I'll, yeah. I'll throw them another bone. I won't log in and disconnect my credit card this month. And they can keep their $14 a month, whatever it is now. Yeah, I probably could be spending that on something better. I'm going to cut it off tonight. Thanks for talking me around. <laughs> um, you're welcome. <laughs> All right, Dan. Well, that's awesome. Thank you for that amazing wrap-up. I'm assuming we're going to do some very... We'll do some in-depth looking at those programs when they launch, of course. Yeah. We'll do something special with Star Wars. I've got to figure out what we're going to do there. Yeah. Maybe have like a whole... We'll get like... We'll do something special, I'm sure. We'll find some local Star Wars-ologists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be fantastic. Um, It's definitely the most exciting one for me. And it's not just The Mandalorian. There's other great... I mean, the Obi-Wan Kenobi show has... That's been confirmed. It's been confirmed. But again, it doesn't go into production until early to mid next year. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so well, it's like an, it's, in 2022. Yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. Although interesting that they're going into production with that after the third Star Wars movie. Mm, yeah. That is interesting. Where the parentage of Ray is still up for question. 
Dan. Something to think about. Oh, Dan. I hope you haven't just ruined it for everyone, including me. <laughs> Chris Yates, it has been a pleasure. I really don't care. It's been an absolute pleasure um, having this very long chat with you as well, Dan. Holy smokes, look at that time code. <laughs> Chris, we'll see you next week. See you, Dan. <laughs>